to the Meaningful Work, Meaningful Life podcast, the show that empowers you to redefine the life you want and live your best life now. I'm your host, Francine Belly, and I show purpose-driven entrepreneurs and professionals a powerful pathway to become thought leaders in their field, attract their ideal clients, and impact millions of people globally. So don't get fooled. It hasn't always been that way. I went from being a frustrated and unfulfilled corporate employee to living a globe-trotting lifestyle, doing what I love, speaking across the world, and being featured in top media publications. I am on a mission to help a million entrepreneurs and professionals to become thought leaders in their industry by leveraging the power of personal branding. Join me and my guests every Tuesday for inspirational stories and practical strategies to get more meaning in your work and in your life, make the money you deserve, and lead a movement to change the world. So today I'm really excited to have on this uh, call and our conversation, Meaningful Work, Meaningful Life, Manish Bundun. He actually called himself Corporate Monk and he wears also multiple hats. He's chief HR executive, he's an, an executive coach, he's a published author, a trainer and a speaker. So hi Manish, welcome to the Meaningful Work, Meaningful Life podcast. Hi, Francine. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be with you today to have a meaningful conversation. Oh, yeah. Let's do it. Let's do that. So before we go further into our conversation, tell us in your own words what you currently do. Okay. What I currently do, as I said, I wear multiple hats. This is what makes life um, meaningful, actually. Uh, I am based in the tropical island of Mauritius, which I am grateful to call home um so born and bred here um i work in a corporate role in the field of human resources so i've been in the field of human resources and people development for the past 18 years and as you can testify you can see that's one of the reasons i don't have any hair left (laughs) (laughs) working in the field of human resources for so many years Uh, and as you mentioned wearing uh, multiple hats That means I'm also an executive coach. I'm really passionate about igniting the spark of transformation in people. And I'm also, since uh, last year, a published author. I've written um, a a book called Shots of Insights, which happened to be a bestseller on Amazon. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I'm very grateful for that. Um, And also, I do participate in uh, keynotes, um, public talks, and I'm an avid Toastmaster as well. Ah, that's wonderful. Really, really big hats and uh, multiple, uh, you know, hats is really, really good. So we're going to talk about your book a little bit later. Um, But tell me, why have you decided to get into this job in the first place? Because, you know, you've been in this field for quite a long time. What actually brought you into it? I Well, it's, uh, I would share, it's more um, through an accident of life that I ended up in human resources. I didn't choose to be in this field. Uh, I, I, if, I, you, if you allow me, I can share that personal experience, personal um, life um, event. So I was uh, meant to be um, either a doctor or an engineer. Uh-huh. <laughs> As you know, coming from an Indian family, uh-huh. you're either a doctor, an engineer, or a family disappointment. Uh-huh. So that's what you <laughs> you are. to become a family disappointment then. <laughs> well, well, <laughs> 
So I um, wanted to study medicine, but it wasn't possible. Um, with Mauritius being small, you have to go and study abroad and medicine is quite expensive. You have to earn a scholarship for that. So I went for the second best option, which was engineer. And I managed to get a scholarship to study in Singapore at the National Nanyang Technological University. Um, and I was studying there in the first year and my brother, elder brother was in third year studying engineering as well. Um, but let's say four or five months down the line in my first year, uh, my brother passed away on campus. Oh, so uh, after a football match, actually. So oh, yeah. playing football on uh, the university campus and he collapsed on the field. Wow. Um, so what you've seen, for example, football players collapsing on the field, that's exactly what happened to him. And by the time we started to give first aid and bring the ambulance, they started to give um, electric shock to him. Yeah. So try to reanimate him. So I accompanied him all the way uh, and he unfortunately he passed away in the ambulance. Wow, I'm so, so sorry to hear this. Yeah, and that 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 event changed my life, changed the course of my life. Um, I I had to probably make the most tough decision and, and tough thing that I ever had to do in my life was to call home and inform my parents that their elder brother, my my uh, their elder son, my elder brother Vikram, who was 21, mm. had just passed away and I was 19 then. So at the age of 19 years old, I find myself at a um, crossroad having to forego my scholarship and return back to Mauritius uh, with my family, um, uh, with, with the, the body of my, my elder brother, actually. Mm. So um, when I got home, well, for the next two, three days in Singapore, I went into a state of shock. I didn't have any emotion. I, um, I couldn't even tear. I didn't even have tears, you know, so uh, I was in such a state of shock. And it's only when I flew back home with his body, when I saw my parents at the airport, that the reality of the situation uh, struck me. And um, so I'd seen my father had aged by 10 years wow. in a matter of months. And um, that's where I, I started to cry and after three days. So um, I went kind of into a phase of um, breakdown, uh, depression. And then what I did is I stopped working, I stopped studies and uh, took some time off family with my family uh, and started to work actually. So my first experience of work at the age of 19 was um, in a telecommunications company, the local uh, national telecommunications company for a few months. And they didn't know what to do with me. So I ended up in human resources department then. Mm. So that's how I started in HR actually. Wow. So stopping my studies in engineering, coming back home and starting to work just to keep me occupied, to find what else, what I want to do out of my life. And naturally, I, I fell in love with, with the subject, with the field, interacting with people um, and talking with people, listening to people and helping people in their life and grow. And at the same time, it was also a healing process for me working with people because those three days in Singapore where um, I was in a state of shock where what I, what I would say is I was emotionally constipated. Mm. That is no emotions came up and I kind of suppressed everything just to be able to, yeah. um, to cope with that shock and tra tragedy. Um, so I had to work on myself a lot, work on my emotions uh, as I started to work and I started to study again at university locally. 
uh, and then I chose the field of management and human resources. And from there, started to rebuild myself up, um, use, choosing the field of human resources, people development, at the same time working on myself, on self-awareness and self-leadership to be able to overcome that kind of the trauma that I went through. Wow, what That's how I ended up in uh, yeah. in actually. That is a, my gosh, yeah, that's a, what a story, my gosh, yes. Uh, getting in, in the Singapore and really with your older brother and having to come back, oh my gosh, your description was like if I was there, really, and seeing your parents at the airport, oh my gosh, that is like, oh, whoa. Yeah, we should do um, any, anyone yeah, else. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. So, and that actually got you onto that journey, you know, that you haven't planned. Uh, but yeah. actually end up actually finding something that you actually managed to go to and you love now, I suppose. Yes. Wow. Mm. wow, wow, wow. What would you say now is your purpose? Well, my purpose is to, um, in fact, the way I define it, for me, a purpose is a state of being and a state of doing. Okay. Yeah. So my purpose is I am the corporate monk who holds the space for us to express our higher selves. And in a way, the way I do it, I would say is uh, by holding the space, it allows me to ignite a spark of transformation in people. Yes. Um, so that's what I do. So as a corporate monk is being able to uh, hold the space of mindfulness, of kindfulness, actually, to be kind, to be respectful, as well as helping people um, by listening to them, helping them discover new perspectives, uh, tapping into their own resources, so as to find their way to grow to the next level. So that's how I do my purpose actually then, as you can see on the screen, is to ignite the spark of transformation in people. Yeah, yeah, that's beautiful purpose and uh, totally aligned with, uh, of course, what you are doing. Uh, you can see that going hand in hand, really very beautiful uh, purpose. Uh, so what would you think that one, you know, there is one thing that people still don't know about you? Oh. One thing that people still don't know about me. Um, hmm. Well, I've had an eventful life, I can say. <laughs> it's not been, um, uh, it's, it's been a roller coaster, like for many of us. Um, and I've had the opportunity to have highs and lows. Lows being um, where, as, as I mentioned, uh, a tragedy which changed my, the course of my life at the age of 19, mm. at the age of, uh, and then from there, it prompted me to, change orientation completely in terms of my career and profession. Second, um, I was almost killed, uh, actually oh. almost hijacked in oh. Africa. Oh, wow. Madagascar uh, at gunpoint with AK-47. So I survived that. Which country and is that? Madagascar. Oh, wow. Actually. Really? Wow. Yeah. yeah. They were, there was an organized gang who was tracking um business people and so i happened to be traveling there for business for work mm -hmm. and happened to be at the wrong place at the wrong time but fortunately i was able to survive unscaffed how did you and, manage to get out well that's another story actually <laughs> i was with a colleague and um the only thing that happened when when things like that happen to you people say you see your whole life um, mm -hmm. going in front of you no it doesn't happen like that mm -hmm. <laughs> it's your instinct takes over and my instinct on the moment said told me, you know, um, do whatever you, you can to survive. So give everything, no resistance. So I gave everything I had, money, passport, um, and, and uh, mobile phone and so on. So I said, you know, take everything, no resistance. 
uh, and that's what helped, you know. Uh, and I'm still here to, to to share the story. And that prompted me then to take the decision to get married. <laughs> so, <laughs> I love that. So I said, okay, I get a second chance. Exactly. Let's get on and find a good wife. <laughs> wow, what an eventful life, Manish. My gosh, whoa, yeah. So um, let's come back to your book, actually, Shot of Insight, you know, 101 Inspirations to Live, Learn and Live Better. Tell us about this book, actually, uh, a quick overview of the book, what you are talking about in the book. So this book is... Um... Uh, it's more an experiential way that how I experience my own life, my own journey, what I've learned from it. Uh, I believe that we, as we face different situations, peaks and troughs, wins and losses, uh, highs and lows, we always have something to learn from it. Okay, be it in terms of life experiences, be it in terms of work experiences. And I've captured it through what I would call very short paragraphs to one to two pages, if not three pages each, with one key idea, one key insight in a very uh, pragmatic and uh, simple way, simple English that people can grasp. Mm -hmm. um, so it's like you're reading one page a day or one, one shot of insight a day. That's why it's called a shot, because okay. my belief is we experience life in shots. It's like you're taking a shot glass, vodka. Yeah. But here you're taking a short glass of experience, you know, so uh, experiences which can be highs, which can be lows, which make you either better or bitter. So and you have the choice. So um, it's really about experiences doing, doing shots, which are insightful for us. That's what it's about. Mm -hmm. um, so I share a few experiences in it, such as, for example, um, no work, how, how I used to how I grew up with that uh, mindset of, you know, if you play, if you don't play, well, if you work too much and, um, well, you have to work, there's no time for play. So, um, and uh, so I shared that experience that I developed a belief from my childhood that my mom used to tell me, uh, do your work first and then you go play. Mm -hmm. But the, when, the, the moment, the way I interpreted it in my mind was works comes first, play comes after. Right. So which meant what happened then is I was always constantly working, working, working and never playing mm. until I hit a wall, uh, burnout uh, very badly and realized that actually work is play. So how do you integrate play into everything you do in your work, mm. in your relationship and so on? So everything becomes play, just like for children, everything is play. So yeah. that's an example of it. Yeah, that is one is beautiful. Yes, I love that. Yeah, exactly. You know, that sadly, some people are still operating on this paradigm that you do work, 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 and eventually you get to play. But uh, sometimes you don't even get the time to get, get to play. So you might, as you say, integrate that into um, your work, actually. Uh, this is even why this um, podcast called Meaningful Work, Meaningful Life. So you don't just do work and sometimes have a meaningful life. You just do both, actually, at the same time. Wow, wonderful. I also know that you wrote two books in 12 months. Can you give us your tips? How do you do that? How do you write two okay. books in, two, in 12 months? So... <laughs> <laughs> the second book is going to be out in, in a month's time, I see in editing phase. Oh, but how I did it was, um, it's, it's, there's no secret to it, it's regular practice every day. Mm. So find, find your practice, uh, make it, um, uh, build it into your routine, 
And a couple of things which helped me was I use what you call a calendar where I would write down um, market with a cross. Okay. You know? So what you call don't break the chain. Mm-hmm. Uh, I share it in the book, actually. Uh, it's a tip by from Jerry Seinfeld, okay. when, uh, which helped him become one of the best comedians in the world. Mm. So what he did, Jerry Seinfeld, what he did was he took a big wall calendar and every day he would write a joke and he would put a, a red cross on it. So as you add crosses to it, you see that it becomes a chain. So it gives you a motivation to keep the chain going. So uh, and he would do he would just dedicate 15 minutes of his day to write a joke or to create a joke. So that's apply that same philosophy to writing. I would sit down and write 30 minutes a day. Uh, so Shots of Insights was written in 101 days, actually, uh, one day at a time focus and then afterwards editing. And the same way, the second book, Disruptor, uh, was written in, um, in 90 days also. Wow, that is fantastic. I love that. What happens if you break the chain? Let's say that two days I don't write anything and then I have two holes. <laughs> you just go back, you start again, or how does it work? Well, no, you 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 are the idea is to to keep the chain. So for example, don't break the chain is one paradigm which Jerry Seinfeld shared. Uh, you can reframe it to how to keep the chain. So um, and keeping the chain means if there's a break, doesn't matter. You can start again and build a new chain. Mm. So as long as visually it helps you see um, the chain and it becomes a visual anchor for you, it kind of motivates you to to keep doing it. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah, I got so that's that. one example which helps. Um, yeah, yeah. So regular practice every day, and through that you build the 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 routine helps you build a muscle of writing. Yeah. So just like you can build a muscle of anything you do through practice. So that helped me a lot. Yeah, yeah, I love that. I love that because you can really apply that, of course, in all the other domain in life. So just keep going like one small step at a time, as you say, just write one joke or one whatever. Just take that smaller step. Sometimes when we think about some goals that we want to achieve, it may feel so big that we don't do anything, but if we just go with those small steps, so we end up you know, writing those two books in 12 months. <laughs> actually, interestingly, what I found is, for example, when I took a break, you kind of start to feel a physical and ease, like, you know, there's something missing. Uh-huh. And you feel the urge, well, I need to go and complete that, to add that, to make my day complete, because it's part of my yeah. daily routine now. Yeah, yeah. Like if you forget to brush your teeth, you know that something is missing, right? So you just build that. It's so become part of your habit that you can even feel when it's uh, uh, not there. I love that. So... Uh, Let's now talk about the phenomena of great resignation, how I actually spotted you, actually, (laughs) with your poll on LinkedIn, um, you know, recently, uh, you know, um, so, you know, how, okay, what kind of insight have you gleaned from that poll and all the research and also your own practice, because you are right in the middle of it, right? So your profession is really looking at this tsunami, you know, coming so give me your perspective and your learning and your insight about this great resignation. <laughs> Good question. How much time do we have? <laughs> <laughs> the short version. <laughs> the condensed version. <laughs> so the condensed version is it's a cycle. Okay. Uh, people are calling it the great resignation, but it's a cycle that we go through. Um, as uh, the world goes through change, 
in that sense, it's a cycle which is um, happening where uh, a phase and era is coming to an end and a new era is, is starting. That's the first frame I would use. The second part of it, I would say, is that um, more and more people have been asking themselves questions which the COVID-19 pandemic has triggered. It has been an external stimulus which has driven people to stop, pause and reflect on what am I really doing with my life? Am I really happy doing what I'm doing in this corporate life, corporate job, uh, especially when they found themselves in lockdown, having to work uh, longer hours at home, uh, playing multiple roles as a full-time parent, as a full-time spouse, 24-7 with your spouse, you can imagine. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No break with your kids, <laughs> so breaking, uh, yeah. your full-time educator at home, a full-time employee at home. So all these created a lot of um, um, people to stop, reflect on what really was their purpose, what they want to do. That's one. Second, it also triggered people to stop uh, as they went into a burnout uh, phase. So for me, there are two elements which really come out from this uh, this whole um, cycle of the great resignation is first people who want are moving away from uh, a, a way of working which has been toxic if not uh, detrimental to their health to their work-life balance you can say uh, it always has been more work-life disbalance so they want to have more balance in their life um, and look after themselves more as they, we've seen uh, health has taken uh, health and safety has taken uh, predominance through the pandemic. So that's one. Second is people are looking for purpose, meaningful work. And what what more fitting to share about that on meaningful, uh, on in this meaningful conversation on meaningful work and meaningful life. Um, so finding meaning and purpose is what drives more people. So which brings us to a new cycle that is the great resignation is creating a new way of working. Uh, more remote working, more hybrid working work workforce, and also more people shifting to be their own boss by being uh, a gig in the gig employment, gig uh, economy, uh, being uh, uh, nomads or uh, freelancers, uh, those who have the possibility to do it. And we're seeing more and more of that, actually. Mm -hmm. So that's what I would say in terms of um, uh, the, the condensed version which prompts organizations to rethink the way um, they provide a work experience, uh, the culture that they create and how they create that value proposition. That has to evolve now. Yeah, yeah. I love the, the, your, your you know, framing of this is a cycle. I want to actually um, just ask, uh, what kind of cycle do you think that is closing and what kind of cycle do you see that is opening? Okay. Again, a very powerful question. What I would say, the kind of cycle that is closing is gone are the days where you had to be in office nine to five or nine to six. Now you can work from anywhere around the world using technology. So that's one. Uh, second is um, pigeonholing people. That is, you have to be a full-time employee. You have to be in the corporate job uh, to be successful. Um, it's really about running after your career and building yourself up. Uh, and more and more people are opening up to that philosophy that work. Your, in fact, your life doesn't revolve around your work anymore. It has to be uh, seamlessly integrated in it, not, not rotating around it. 
So that's a cycle which is coming to an end also. Uh, and thirdly, it's more the relationship, I would say the power distance between employers and employees, um, where there's a there's a there's a inequality in that sense. Now we're seeing a, a balance of it more with uh, the power shifting back to talent uh, as the world shifts into uh, the knowledge economy more. So people with expertise are now there's a rebalance in the power relationship between employee and employee. Mm. So that's what's ending. Yeah, okay? yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So to your second part of the question, what's starting then is work which people find meaning into it. So meaningful and purposeful work, which is aligned to their personal values and, and their personal sense of purpose. Um, work which contributes to uh, leaving a legacy for future generations and work which contributes to helping um, shape our planet in a more sustainable way. So the whole sustainability drive um, is taking uh, precedence and more and more people are looking for jobs where uh, in companies to work or collaborate with companies who uh, take sustainability seriously. So that's one aspect. The second aspect, what's starting is looking after yourself. So um, finding that balance or integrating what I, what I would say work-life balance doesn't exist anymore. What exists is work-life integration. Yeah. So work-life integration, that is everything resolve, revolves around your life, how you find your own uh, balance. Um, so work will fit that and not the contrary. Mm, yeah, that is really, really great, actually, um, you know, analysis and really seeing that all the old structure, the nine to five, the you are the employee, you come and sit there, all those things, the, you know, command and control type of, um, um, you know, leadership or, you know, management is ending. And then now we are coming to this new phase of uh, how can we make sure that these jobs are quite meaningful uh, to people and uh, also having this kind of sustainability uh, aspect, you know, not only, only for the planet, but sustainability for ourselves as well, you know, as human as well. Um, so what actually do you think um, is coming or how organization can adapt? What can they do now? Now that we understand that, okay, this cycle is closing and this one is opening, how can they adapt? Especially like bigger organizations who are not like startups that can just, you know, do things overnight. How can they make sure that, you know, they adapt this at a fast pace, not like dinosaur pace? <laughs> yeah. I think the name of the game is agility, okay? Developing agility in their work practices, in the people practices, providing flexibility and empowerment more. That's what people are seeking. Um, so helping people um, articulating a clear sense of purpose, why we do what we do as an organization, beyond making money, beyond um, in, uh, increasing shareholder value and so on, but how are you making the world a better place by what you do? And that's a very important articulation which many organizations don't do. Yeah, so that's one. Second is coming up with a value proposition where you provide flexibility and empowerment and autonomy to people where they are able to grow and thrive. And thirdly is really adapting the structures of the organization to be more permeable, more um, uh, less rigid, more fluid, 
with a mix of hybrid workforce and a full-time workforce. So it's really shifting that uh, to be more fluid as an, as an organization. Your structure has to evolve with, uh, with time. And finally, I would also say um, the rapid change, pace of change and disruption in the world requires organizations to constantly anticipate and adapt themselves, be it in terms of their practices, their processes, and their products. Yeah, for for this kind of big organization out there, you know, sometimes those changes, as you may know, are quite difficult to implement. How do you get them to implement those changes? <laughs> I would say that the, the 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 philosophy which will work best is uh, think global but act local. Okay, so you might share the main frames overall, but these things cannot be driven centrally. It has to be decentralized. It has to be empowered. Uh, the bigger the organization, the more it will be agile if you create empowerment and autonomy in the different countries, in different businesses, so as it adapts to its local context, local market quicker. So yeah. the, that that devolution of power, that delegation of power is essential, mm. or else it won't work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can no longer have this headquarters sitting somewhere and having mm. all those subsidiaries and just done um you know downloading stuff that they need to happen they have to you know things have to actually um, adapt the, yeah the best metaphor i have is it's like you need to shift to work like a hive like a beehive mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you can learn okay. a lot from them <laughs> you can learn a lot from nature actually so beehives yeah. work like that they are very uh they are uh, working yes definitely yeah. let's go and learn from beehives so, <laughs> one queen but the queen doesn't decide everything so and um so it's really have yeah. that high mentality. Actually. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Tell me, in which extent, because my work is around personal branding, in which extent helping employees to develop their personal brand and really grow their career is something that organizations should really be paying attention today? Okay. Um, I think helping people grow their brand um, helps them. First of all, growing your brand starts by helping the person dis discover their strengths, discover their purposes, their purpose, their values. Yep. The more they're yep. clear about it, the more they are at ease, they are engaged, and they're happy where they are, they'll be more willing to stay, to retain, and to add value. Okay, So helping people find their place where they feel completely at ease helps towards engagement, towards talent engagement, uh, talent retention and engagement. So that's one, one aspect in my view. Second is as you grow uh, people, you grow leaders, you're also growing the business. Because at the end of the day, um, it's not, we don't grow a business. It's, we grow people who grow the business. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, and people will naturally have that reciprocation. I, I'm an example of this. I've had the opportunity to be um, to grow in the organization I'm, I'm, I'm in for the past, um, so I've been there for the past 16 years, but I've grown the ladder and I, the, the company has invested in me, uh, in my development. So I'm grateful for that. It has allowed me to be a coach, a mentor, uh, a, a writer, and I'm happy doing what I do with that flexibility. Um, so I find a, pay, a place which um, I, I can call home actually. So. Aligning that sense of purpose and helping people grow, uh, that is 
identifying your strengths, your purpose, and uh, how you become your next best version constantly um, will also lead to helping the company in return become the next version and next best version of themselves. Mm -hmm. So it works both both ways and in hand. Yes, but some companies still have this old mentality. Are still living in the old paradigm that if they do develop or allow people to grow their brands, therefore you know they you know may be poached by other people and uh, or they may leave. So what do you do? What do you say to those? <laughs> well, it's all it's all about having your, your pipeline. People will leave, okay, and it's well, natural. Or without uh, you like helping them, yeah. <laughs> people will leave. And the idea is to keep on developing because some people will leave, some people will stay, but those who leave and if they know that you've invested them, they will always be grateful and they will always find ways as you build a strong relationship to give back. That is for, for further business as an alumni or um, as a collaborator or a partner in a different model and a different organization. So it will further your, um, your business actually. Um, I know, for example, Google does that pretty well when you have those that philosophy of Googlers and Zooglers. You have Nooglers, Googlers. Well, Who are the Zooglers? Yeah, so Googlers are the Zooglers. I don't know the Zooglers. Who are the Zooglers? Zooglers are ex Google employees. Oh, what oh, you call the alumni. And they keep in touch with them. Uh -huh. And that helps in terms of collaboration projects and even business. Mm, yeah. Just definitely. like universities have an alumni. You always go back to university and you have a sharing so uh with your key people who've left there's always opportunities to further relationships and business or um, opportunities to collaborate of course especially when you know that they have treated you well and then you left so you always have them in mind and you can even recommend people to them but if they haven't treated you well and you haven't been able to grow they're not going to recommend anybody to you actually yeah. so i think that actually, yes the, paradigm the best metaphor i have for this is again it's i would say not in nature but in sports um, i know you're not too too much of a fan of football but uh take <laughs> yeah, the example give it away anyway <laughs> of great football teams like uh, Barcelona. I know they're going through a phase now, but they were, they've dominated world football, European football for many years mm -hmm. because they had that pipeline of growing talent and uh, through their ranks. And as the talent came up, they would perform and then they would move on and you had a constant pipeline coming up from the academy. Um, so, and that really created the success of that organization, just like a bit Manchester United, it was like that. Arsenal, the successful Arsenal team was like that and so on and so forth. So the same would apply to organizations as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's wonderful. So now let's move to the next last final part. What is the movement that you are creating? What is the movement I'm creating? Yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, um, I'm interested to create a movement of people who are self-aware. Mm -hmm. Okay, a movement of self-awareness. For me, if there was one thing that I could change the workplace in the world is more self-awareness. Mm -hmm. By self-awareness, I mean people who are aware and conscious of what's your purpose, what are your values, what are your strengths, what are your beliefs, which are your empowering beliefs as well as your limiting beliefs. The more you're aware, self-aware, it helps you become more at ease, at peace with yourself, more grounded, more centered, uh, more natural, more authentic, and um, and less judgmental. 
less complaining, less criticizing, less comparing. And that really helps uh, from what I've seen. People who are, it's like, it's like you're really, you feel really good in your skin, actually, when you're self-aware. Mm-hmm. And you don't feel, you only feel the need to put pressure on your shoulders to prove yourself yeah. or to wear a mask to try to fit in, you know. So that whole element of self-awareness really leads to self-leadership. So how do yeah. you lead yourself um, uh, in the best way, which allows you then, so when you lead yourself, you walk the talk, which allows you then to lead others. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think that self-awareness is powerful. You know, when you started to become self-aware, as you know, both your strengths and weaknesses or what they say areas of development, if you want to put it more positively, you know, you really start to understand. And as you say, your empowering and also disempowering beliefs. So when you start to understand those, that is the first step to liberation, as I say, actually, because as you say, you start not to worry too much about uh, things. Now that you start to understand better, which is what I also in my book, the pillar number one is know yourself. And uh, that is the biggest thing that uh, we actually don't do enough you know we all go around do stuff and but when you start to stop and really start to pay attention to yourself you now start to understand that the better when you start to understand that's what i've experienced myself as well with and with my other clients so um knowing what you know now manish which advice would you give to your younger self to do more meaningful work and live a meaningful life what advice would I give to my younger self? Yes. Hmm. Have more fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you think that you didn't have much fun? <laughs> it was a lot of work. So I actually I put pressure on my shoulders that to work, you know, to prove, to do, to achieve. So okay. I did it, but it's like I was pushing myself, coercing. Mm-hmm. If I added more fun, more play into it, mm-hmm. but I've been more natural into it, I would have, um, I think, um, I would have enjoyed it more. I'm not saying I don't, I didn't enjoy it, but oh, that's one thing that I would tweak is inject more fun more into fun. what you've done. So oh. have fun at it. Have fun. That's lovely. I love that. Have fun. Yes. Uh, listeners have fun in everything that we're doing. That's Manish. <laughs> so what do you want to be remembered for Manish? What I want to be remembered for, um, That's a, that's a very good question, actually. What I want to be remembered for? Hmm. Well, I want to be remembered for uh, someone who is sent, sent, he walks his talk, who is grounded and centered. And um, I would like to be remembered as a corporate monk who showed that human resources can be human. Mm, I love that. Services, uh, can help people grow and thrive. It's not policing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Human resources and, can be human. I love that. Yeah. Wonderful, wonderful. Any last piece of guidance that you'd like to pass on to our listeners to do more meaningful work and live a more meaningful life? Um, maybe one advice I would give. Um, is to people something that really helped me um, is uh, have a mentor along the way always find a way at any part of your life any phase that you're going through uh, always feel free to reach out and have a mentor Mm. Um, a mentor who can a mentor actually would coach you would counsel you and would connect you to Mm -hmm. a wider community Mm -hmm. Um, 
And it's like you learn from the experience of wise people. Yeah. And the more you connect to people, you also advise as a mentor, very, very, very rarely people turn you down. And but the thing is, not many people ask. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. That's so, true. And, and it's, it's not it's not complicated. It's very simple, actually. Mm-hmm. So and when the, as we say, uh, not as we say, but as um, I think it's a, it's a Zen um, quote, Zen philosophy, when the student is ready, the teacher shall appear. Yes, yes, that's true. That's true. That's true. That is a wonderful thing. Just ask, just ask, keep asking and find that mentor. Thank you so much, Manish. How people can reach you and learn more about you and your work. So you can follow me on LinkedIn, uh, Manish Bandon uh, on LinkedIn, as well as Shots of Insights if you're interested. In fact, I have my own um, hashtag, Shots of Insights, uh-huh. which I started uh, two years back. Okay. And be writing, I write every two days, so uh, quite extensively um uh, on on the hashtag shots of insights okay. small nuggets of uh, experience wisdom and inspiration so mm-hmm. you can connect and follow me on linkedin okay wonderful and you have also your book actually uh, i think uh, the link uh, we're going to put them in the show notes as well of this podcast so thank you so much for sharing your wisdom manish it was really great great pleasure to have you on this podcast and i'll see you another time thank you francine it's been my pleasure that is it for today i will see you next week for another episode of the season eight hey if you're ready to get more meaning in your life make the money you deserve and lead a movement to change the world and become a recognized thought leader in your industry you better get on my email list where i send unique tips and practical strategies every single week in your inbox Sign up to receive my free personal branding checklist. This is a one-page checklist that will help you pinpoint immediately which of the seven areas you should focus on to create an influential personal branding and make a bigger impact. So just head over to francinebelay.com slash podcast. That's F-R-A-N-C-I-N-E-B-E-L-E-Y-I.com slash podcast. And until then, dream, act, and make an impact. Don't come lost.